everybody likes guns. They just don't know it. Deep inside of the soul, there's a cowboy trying to get out. Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the host and their guests. Hey everybody, welcome to New Shooter Canada episode 219. I'm your host Thomas for tonight who can't speak very well. Tonight we have Mike. How you doing Mike? Good, yourself? I'm doing well and we also have Amanda. Good evening. And Josh. Hello. No Wanda, no Benny, and no George. But be honest, we're, we're recording a little bit earlier, so we sort of messed with George and Benny's schedule, and Benny can't record after sundown, so oh well. So what did you do with guns this week, Mike? Oh boy, what didn't I do with guns this week? I feel like I've been actually, you know, getting out to the range, which is something that I haven't actually been able to do much. Um, I actually just got back from a match just right now. I just finished shooting an IDPA match in Peterborough, which went very well um i'm hoping to go shoot the provincials there at the end of the month so it's nice to always uh check out a club before a major match usually it gives you a good feel of you know what the match is going to be like you know like do they like doing a lot of strong hand weekend or making you go prone or things like that so it's a good insight so but it's a good match had lots of fun sarah got to shoot with me which is always uh always a blast um shoot revolver or semi I shot semi. So here's a funny story. I met the revolver shooter that you met in Guelph. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I was randomly talking to a guy, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you shoot a revolver. We got talking, and then he said something about, like, the match over in Guelph. And then they started talking about how, you know, they can't call it IDPA anymore and things like that. And I'm like, that is definitely the same match that uh, Josh was at. Yeah. So it definitely made me nostalgic, like, wish that I had brought my revolver. But right. I, I had a lot of fun. I shot the... Uh, I shot my Walter Q5, just a plastic one, because I still don't have a holster for the steel frame yet. Um, but it, it went well. I, I had a good time. But uh, I guess go, going back, I should go all the way back, because two weeks ago was Father's Day. So I was lucky enough that I got to go to the range with uh, my buddy Dan, who I trained with for I, or for I-Corps. Um, so I got to have a lot of fun with that. Pretty rusty, but, you know, it's always good to get out again and start getting back into it. Uh, but after that... Sarah showed up with the kids. So I got to do some shooting with my daughter, which she absolutely loved. Um, we shot at Clay's and we had one of those shoot and see targets. Um, she was disappointed that we never hit the absolute bullseye on the shoot and see target. And even today when I was going to the match, she said, Oh, daddy, try, try and try and hit the middle this time. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, it was a blast. <laughs> she she loved it. We shot it. We I threw a couple of clays up on the berm and we shot those. And she loved watching those break. And it it, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it was a great way to spend my uh, my Father's Day. Um, is this the first time you've taken her shooting? No, I've taken her shooting once before. And she's what six? But this now? is the first time this. Pardon me. She's what five or six now? She'll be five soon. Okay. So. I mean, so this time we had the red, the first time we went shooting, it was very much just like to get her used to the idea of like the rules, the sound, you know, what the process is of actually shooting a gun. Whereas this time we had the red dot on there so she could actually see. We we're talking a lot about, you know, how to put the red dot on your target and pulling the trigger smoothly and all the other fun stuff. And of course, safety all came into it again, you know, making sure that we leave the gun open when we walk down range because 
she very much she, she we hit the clay it would burst and what's the first thing she wants to do run down there and look at the clay that just burst right. like, it, it's a bunch of piece broken pieces like what do you want to go look at or even if we miss it like let's go look like maybe we like i don't know if she thought maybe we hit it but didn't know i don't know but like even on the paper every shot she took she wanted to run down and check it again which you know as long as she's doing it safely i didn't really care she would have a great time we had lots of fun um but yeah, it, it was good. Uh, I can't wait to get out there with her again. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but when I was getting ready to go, I was looking for clays to throw up on the berm, and I eventually found them in my garage. Um, I haven't shot my own personal clays in a long time because the way our club runs, if you want to shoot the trap, you have to pay five bucks and you use the club's clays. You can bring your own, but they have you have to make sure they're the exact same size because I I don't know the clay thrower doesn't like the ones that aren't there. So whatever. I've always just said, screw it. I'll just pay the five bucks and use the club's clay. It's much easier. Well, yeah. So I haven't actually used my own personal clays in a very long time. So I had to go looking for them. Finally found them in the garage. It was really on a fluke that I found them. Um, but I opened it up and I got a pleasant uh, early Father's Day surprise. I found five boxes of trap ammo. And my missing chronograph that I thought I lost about four years ago. Oh, excellent. <laughs> So now I have two chronographs, but I mean, the the one I found is my crony, which it works. It works just fine. But it's the uh, the Caldwell, I'll say, is a higher quality. It's a better. It has an app on your phone. It keeps track of your shots. It does a lot more. So it's nice. But now at least I know I have a backup so that next time when my friend shoots my chronograph right before a level three and I need to chronograph my ammo, I at least have a backup chronograph. So good plan. I think you have too yep. much stuff if you lost that much stuff. Pardon me? I think you have too much stuff if you lost that much stuff. Well, here's kind of crazy. <laughs> so I lost it around the time we moved. And like now thinking back on it, it all makes sense. I lost okay, it around so the time we moved. put it somewhere and it wasn't organized. Well, yeah, because here's the thing. All my shooting stuff at my old house was in the basement. So I'm right. betting that I had this half full thing of clay. And I said, well, why am I just moving this? Let's put more stuff in it. <laughs> and I did that. And then when I moved here, I threw it in the garage and I just haven't been to it since. Yeah. Yeah. But right before we moved, I had gone and chronographed my ammo and I couldn't find it. I am also a bit of a klutz at forgetting stuff. So I just assumed that I had forgotten it at the range and someone came by and said, ooh, free chronograph. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. so. So yeah, so that that's uh, I think that's pretty much been it for the last few weeks. I know Sarah had ordered me a new holster from Red Hill Tactical for my new Q5. Um, nice. I she asked me what I wanted on it, and I told her to surprise me, and she got a very evil grin. So I am excited. <laughs> Hello, Kitty. Here we come. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what it is. I don't know if she went like you know got a holster with a whole pile of you know male genitalia on it i don't know he could have gotten anything i'm so, sure it's going to be very nicely done i i think it's going to have a story if nothing else yes. so there you go well if you yeah. look at sarah and she smiles you know something's up oh yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah so i i think that's about all i've really done for the last little while how about you Thomas? Uh, myself, I actually, I haven't been to the range. Um, I got notification that the range has opened up, and there's, when it, as the restrictions start to lift, then we're going to, to reintroduce the rentals. <clears throat> but because I was gone, they still had to have staff replace me, right? So there, there's new people there now. Um, 
so once I said the restrictions lift, then I'll go back to working probably Friday, Saturdays just for the rentals since I have somebody in the retail. But I did get uh, an email from the club and they've changed the guest policy, which is not uncommon because we had this a similar issue when I was at Port Perry. Um, people somehow, they like to sneak people into the ranges without signing the liability form or paying the guest fees. It's not the guest fees you have to worry about. It's a liability. If you take a guest to the range and you don't fill out that liability form, the liability is going to fall on you. You know, it's, it's just, it's insane. You take anybody to the range, you have to have them fill out that form. Because depending on the range, say for example, uh, Port Perry I'll use for example, it was a CCSA range. So when you filled out that form, that guest fee remitted $5 back to the CCSA and that was your guest's insurance. Your guests were insured once they signed that form. If they don't sign it, you're creating a liability issue that you really don't want to risk because two things could happen. You're going to get sued either way. So if there's something does happen, something bad happens, and you brought that person in and they haven't signed the liability waiver, they're going to sue the range. And then since you violated your membership agreement and all kinds of range rules, the range is going to sue you for going after. So, you know, even if you're saving the five or $25, whatever fee your range charges as a guest fee and there's nobody there, um, you're not really the only person you're, you're, you're defeating is the club itself because if something happens and that guest hasn't signed that form, it's not good and your insurance won't cover you. Like say your CSSA insurance, it covers you when you're out in the field and stuff. But in a case like that, and when it comes to a liability issue for a third person, so save yourself some grief. If you go to a range, sign the liability form. Get, don't have a guest shoot unless they actually sign the form. If you come to do the shoots with me, for the rentals, everybody has to sign. And if it's a minor, I need the parent signature or I need an actual written letter from the parent and a signature. Because if something happens, I don't want it falling back on me. So the only person you're potentially ripping off is yourself by not having your guests sign the proper forms and do the whatever the fees are. It's just I've seen it happen and bad things do happen and you don't want them happening to you. That was my rant for the day. A good rant. Well, we had issues at port. We really did. I, 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 there was two big things you get you get with range. You get damage, which people aren't reporting, and guests. And the guests are the bigger, are the ones that do most of the damage because they're not proficient shooters. So we we had so many issues at port. We ended up having seen the guest policy. We had ended up putting in cameras. You know, it's, but it's not a live feed. At where I work, it's a live feed. So we don't monitor all the time, but you know the owner at any time could pull up his cell phone and look and say, "Hmm, who's out in the range? What are they doing?" And he's ten minutes away. <laughs> so you you risk, you know, say for example, you get our top membership tier. It's a lot of money, and to lose that money you put in just by doing something stupid because you didn't want to spend twenty dollars and have your friends sign the form, and then risk your own personal liability, it's not worth it. You go to a, for, a range. Pay the guest fee, sign the form, cover your butt just in case something does happen. That's my rant. So Josh and Amanda, you guys had, well, we'll go with Josh first because you guys did something together. So let's do Josh first and then Amanda can talk about the real fun stuff. Yeah, Josh didn't do a whole lot without Amanda, but I, mean, uh, <laughs> I went to uh, went to the range this Thursday uh, 
since we're relaxing our restrictions now a little bit, I got uh, out for our first pistol night. Usually every Thursday we have the pistol night. We do some kind of uh, PPC or bullseye kind of thing. And I was the only one that showed up because it was a holiday. So I guess that's kind of to be expected, Boo. I guess. But I mean, that's why I wanted to go because it was a holiday. But other people didn't think the same way as me. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of played around, did my own thing. I got uh, my Wrangler out again. And I cleaned it while I was there because there was nobody there. So I just cleaned it on the range. And uh, it worked a lot better this time. Thanks, Thomas. And... Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. I checked out our indoor range. It's open now as of Wednesday, and we got our floor sealed while we we're in our downtime, and it just looks amazing in there. I can't wait to make it dirty, um, but it <laughs> looks pretty much like it's flooded in there. It's so shiny. It just uh, looks awesome. Nice and bright. Yeah. But so if uh, anybody puts a round in the floor, you'll see it. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, that's yeah. kind of the point, yeah. and I think yeah. was uh, they were talking about how. Was it the like just all the dust particles well, and the lead? They're worried about lead testing, right? Lead testing, um, yeah. So this will hopefully help us in that regard. So yeah, fingers crossed. So, but yeah. it does look really good. I'm, I want to see it mm-hmm. in person. Looks very but, professional. Yeah, absolutely. So. But the big thing was on Father's Day we went to our first maple seed. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was really really cool. It was a long day. It was a very long day, very hot day. <laughs> but we don't regret it. At no. all. No, so. no patches were had, unfortunately. So close. Are we still allowed to stay on the show? Well, well you I know, Mike, my patch yet, Mike so. hasn't had his okay. patch. George didn't get his patch. Juan didn't. Well, Benny's got his patch. Yeah. Well, I expect Benny to have his patch. And you so. do, right, Thomas? Yeah. But, but I told you guys before you went that it's it's really hard your first time out. If you don't sit there yeah. and practice your stages before you go there, it's, it's so tight because the time constraints are just... I, I really think it was me. It was the mental thing, like just the heat and being tired at the end of the day. Oh, I think that's what it yeah. was. I think if I could have come back, I think if it would have been two days, I think I would have got it on on the next day. Oh, you totally would have. Yeah, I, I just, I just, it was man. Yeah, most <laughs> people do. So most people do. Like when I when I did it, it was every well, except for Brian. Brian got the very first try because he's a fantastic rifle shooter. But I think the rest of us, it took the second day before we got it. My, uh, I really liked my mat. I've got one of those Cabela's shooting mats that goes on sale every every couple of months. It was, uh, it, it, it's green, but it has black rubber uh, top, and it was sitting out in the sun all day, <laughs> and it was it was pretty darn hot. My elbows are burned, and <laughs> I've got skin peeling. Like you, you'd lay down on it, and you could smell the burning rubber, and you could feel your flesh burning, and it was pretty pretty crappy. Um, I know I, I, I have seen that. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was folding it over every time we were done the stage. I was I got smart and I folded it over and then put the gun on top of the mat. But the gun itself was getting super hot too. I think yeah. if I ever did it again, I would bring a towel or something just to lay over. I was the just gonna say a towel. I started using my yeah. sweater after a while to uh, keep the heat off of it, and it was scalding hot. And I actually yeah, um, burned your neck, right? Yeah, yeah, it burnt my neck while I was trying to adjust the sling onto my arm uh, for <laughs> position and so as I was I had my hair pulled back so naturally it just uh, the barrel hit the inner line of my neck and it scalded my neck and um, I was second last to the end and if I'd been super smart and we were there early I should have took the spot that Jess was in because yeah. all of her uh, casings were hitting me yeah, those were hot. Too. Oh, those were so <laughs> hot, like hotter than usual. It was ridiculous. But and I wasn't able to 
stay in the the rifleman zone. That was definitely a frustration for me. Yeah, what they call it, the rifleman's bubble. Yeah, the rifleman's <laughs> yeah. bubble. Did not stay in there. I, I, I couldn't. I actually, I got smart the very last round, and even though it was 35 degrees with humidity, I put my sweater on while I was in prone position, just so that I didn't have to worry about it flinging me. But it was just way too hot otherwise and i so i did two rounds at the end and i almost didn't do the third um the third round yeah, got three tries to qualify yeah 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 three tries to qualify and i almost didn't do the last one because uh i was not doing well like i drank lots of water and i definitely should have brought more water they had lots of water for us though so that was awesome but we all drank it yeah <laughs> it was all gone by the time the end of the day was was there so i mean we drank our bottles plus i had three of theirs and josh had three of theirs and i think they had three cases sitting there it was uh, pretty much every time we had to go to the range or back to the to the mats back, we had to stop and pee before we went out to the yeah, exactly <laughs> uh it was it was a hot hot day but i i mean they were complaining or talking about how they've had like rain lots of rain and i think the last time they were at that site they had a tornado yeah <laughs> so i mean i was very grateful for that uh kelly was an excellent instructor i really liked her she definitely has a, a dry sense of humor mm -hmm. but she was definitely fun and she um uh it was very encouraging she's just like really good job and this is what you need to do i want you to focus on this this and this and next time you come because i was nowhere near qualifying yeah. but and every I time you shot like, something she'd analyze your target with you every time yes exactly and i think the biggest thing that i got from it was being able to sight in my scope without having to bench it that was really cool because uh, I basically passed it off to Josh and relied on you guys to kind of give me some tidbits. But now I actually know what I'm doing. It took a while. <laughs> I mean, when she brought up the math, I that kind of went over my head at first, just because I can't just look at it on a board and understand Ex it. Yeah. I need to actually physically explaining, do it. Explaining MOA to us. Yeah, yeah. MOA. Yeah, that was... I was interested, but I really liked being able to know that I could do that and the different types of sling holds was really good. And I, it was just putting it all together at the end with the timing. Mm -hmm. I think if there was, it, um, my worst shots were sitting because I could not find a good sitting position that was even remotely okay with what they were suggesting <laughs> i felt i could oh. this, the girl beside me she could literally Did you see those pictures that young lady yes. where she was had her yeah. legs spread out and she was able to rest her elbows on the ground elbows like, on holy the ground. <laughs> that, that was allowed because it was technically a sitting position but she's like this is perfect it's just like prone and i'm like there's no way <laughs> i can do that what's funny i looked at the picture and i went and sat down to see if i could do it talk about pain and I couldn't oh. get nearly as low as that young lady was. Oh, and you know what? She ended up getting her marksman. Her rifleman, yeah. She got, it, she, got it, she got it that day. And the night before when they did the uh, the trainers uh, requalifying, re she got it that, the night before as well. And I think she yeah. got it the previous time. Yeah, so yeah. this was her fourth time yeah. coming Crazy. to the Maple Seed. So she's an, she's an instructor in training? No, no, she's fourteen, well, so she, I don't think she can. No, she, her train. dad, her dad Chris, is the one who hosted. Oh, okay. Uh, Warren, 
so she's been a part of everything, and he is a, an instructor in training. So yes, oh, excellent. She tagged along. Yeah. Yes, and she's very, very good. I guess she said the first time she tried it was when she was ten years old. Yeah. And uh, so this was her fourth time, and she absolutely loved it. She's and fourteen or fifteen. Uh, she's awfully young. Yeah, she's fourteen. I think, yeah, I think she was. Yeah. Very good, and yeah, just uh, even her analyzing her shots. It was it was insane uh, how well she could do it and comprehend what she was doing. I think the only thing that she kept doing was like uh, the chamber flag. She kept forgetting to take out the chamber flag uh, as we were doing the calls, and that that was her only default. So it was definitely a lot of fun. And yeah, they separated Josh and I, and they said that that was for a reason. And I'm like, she's what? like, Amanda, come over here for a minute. <laughs> and then I ended up staying there for the rest of the day. She's like, we need to separate you guys. And I said, well, why? She goes, there's a reason for it. And typically, you know, they like to separate couples because they don't want them bickering at each other, or, you know, uh, analyzing each other. That. They yeah. tend to do that, but. I mean, I think I probably would have been fine with Josh there just because he's always been my mentor. Uh, but I totally understood why they did that. But it was all, it was definitely a lot of fun. I did not like getting up at 5.30 in the morning. I got to be completely honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to sign in at uh, 7.30 in the morning. It was, it was about an hour's drive. And uh, I think we left at 6.30 in the evening. Oh, yes. That was, yeah. So we were running later, too. Yeah. So we didn't get home till. We didn't get home till 7.30. 7.30, quarter to 8. So I was done. But definitely was a lot of fun. I recommend just to even go and learn. Don't, I agree. Do not expect to get your badge, you know. But I was happy to get at least in the three digits for, for points. That's what was my main goal was to get over a hundred points. And that's what I did. Uh, maybe I should have set my bar higher, but I just wanted to learn well, so, how to do things. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw you both under the bus and ask what your scores were. Okay. Uh, Cause I want, the so, next time you do it, we can compare the two scores. So I had uh, 200, 194, 196. So you're really close. I think it was 210 yes. was the rifleman. Yeah. Yes, 210 yeah. was the rifleman, and you were you were really so close. So she, when she analyzed my targets, she said that I I had a lot of drop shots. Like my groupings were good, but then I'd have one or two flyers on every single target, and I think that was because it was either me settling into the positions where you, you know like you, they were starting us off in prone, then we had to get up, load, and then uh, get back down, and I found that really difficult to get comfortable once I was up. So I think maybe my first shots were a little wonky or maybe just the heat or the pressure of the time. I was just, I was rushing it. I wasn't, I wasn't focusing or concentrating, but I think I did have good groups. I just had those flyers and those killed me every time. Cause there's, you know, you lose 10, 10 points there, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it sucks. So I think if I could have been a little bit better mentally or a little bit less tired, I think I would have got it. But that's all part of it, right? Well, I think so. you, you both did well, because Amanda being a new shooter, scoring that high or first time out, excellent. And you being, you know, relatively new as well, doubling it and getting sharpshooter. Like, your next time out, I think you both get it next time. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. so. Yeah, now, I hit, it. like, 98, then 100. Like I said, three three digits. So that was my best score. And then I did 93 the last one. But I... I wasn't I wasn't upset about that one because I knew how bad I felt. I like I said I, I was at the point where I was having a hard time breathing. I was my face was 
redder than a <laughs> you tomato. Didn't, you didn't look good. <laughs> I didn't look good, so I, but I wanted to stick it out. And when I compared my first target to, um, like, they always do a before and after comparison shoot afterwards, and I did participate in that as well. Yeah, we did kind of and, kind of a shot to see what you're, where you're at right now, and then to see how well you did at the end. And I actually was significantly better by the end of it. But that one didn't have a time limit on it no. either. And my main, like, the main thing she said was um, my trigger pulling. And also the the sitting position screwed me right over. And I, I and lost I think, all my points there. And I think during the training, my my sitting was probably my best groupings. I think I shot the best while I was sitting. I shot the best at prone. Yeah. Oh, and standing. I did really well at standing, yeah, and I mean, she was very. And I think it was the whole lady hip thing where they <laughs> tell you to kink your hip back, right? So it's just the way um, you can position yourself, and I was able to to. Well, it's funny, the guy next to me did really well standing, and, and uh, she asked him if he was a pistol shooter. And uh, he said he was, but he shoots a lot of rifle. But I just, that was interesting. More used to shooting standing, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, and I was thinking we, we hardly ever do prone or sitting at, at our right. range, too. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, we're almost always standing. So it was very interesting <laughs> to go through that experience. I definitely recommend it. Almost 80% of the people that were there had been shooting for a long time, but they just felt like they weren't well, getting there, it right. I think there's a lot that have been maybe two, three years. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, two, three years, and they just felt like they weren't uh, honing in on what it is that, like, they weren't getting it. So, and a couple of them were learning some bad habits, so it was a good retraining program, and everybody seemed to be really happy with their results at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Did your, did, I think there was only did, one did person. Your, did your feet get kicked? Did somebody walk along the line and kick your feet until you open up your legs? No. No, my, no, mine were always pretty good. They didn't, uh, I didn't have any issues there. Well, I really liked uh, fitting the rifle. I thought that was really good where they, they just had pieces of foam and some tape and, you know, we made sure that, you know, your cheek weld is where it should be. And I thought, I thought, I found that very big difference. It really does. Mm -hmm. I I think more people need to do that on their own and figure that out. Absolutely. I didn't have to put any foam on, but if anything, if I had like maybe took that tape like and just did like a, a layer or two instead of just adding, you know, yoga mat, foam and then the tape i think it would have been perfect just because i felt like i was sliding around everywhere i'm gonna gonna blame that too because by the end it was all sweaty and moving around and the tape was melting i think yeah (laughs) i don't know it was definitely a wonderful experience and thanks to kelly for the swag Mm -hmm. gave us some badges and uh tried to get her to do the rucking challenge and she i don't know if she's gonna do it or not but (laughs) she was she was kind of like oh that's easy i do that every day oh she runs every day yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the facility the facility was really cool, too, because it wasn't a range. It was an airfield. So we were just kind of set up on an airstrip, and we had to wait for planes twice yes. <laughs> to go by and take a <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so that's the first time I've ever been shooting. I had to wait for an airplane. Yeah, that but, was really uh, cool. Oh, and then target. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the only part that sucked was because it was fairly close to a highway, plus when the airplane was running... Uh, if times, if yeah. the instructors were facing the other way on the range, I couldn't necessarily hear the instructions they were giving. So uh, that was the only sucky part about that location. Yeah. 
and the lack of shade. Of course, they had some tents up, and that that was good. But it was hot. It was sticky. But you're right, Thomas. We were both sore the next day. Yes, yeah. we were. I don't. It was mostly for me, I think, from like my abs really hurt because I was so worried about pulling the gun past the rope and bringing it towards me that I was pulling myself towards the gun. So all the prone getting up and getting down, I think that made me really sore. And my my uh, my left shoulder was really sore because I had a lot of trouble getting it under the gun, under the rifle, because I'd always have it cocked to the side. And I could see that in, with my breathing and everything, how the shots were diagonal. And the more I brought my elbow under, like perpen- perpendicular to the rifle, it was really a lot better. But it just made me so sore. It was so hard to do. I think that was the hardest part. But I think you have a super but... long forearm. And I think that, the, <laughs> yeah, you were so afraid. I could see how you, it was really you were hard stretching to make that it shelf. out. I was, yeah. always doing, I was always making the shelf. It. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I didn't have that problem. I was sure in the shoulder blade, I had headaches like I almost feel like I had a touch of sunstroke because I had headaches for almost two days afterwards even though I I did what I could to hydrate yeah what else what else my knees were raw my elbows are my skin is peeling (laughs) on my elbows from the the hot mat yeah you have have to have something under your elbows because they're they're taking all the weight so if you don't have a long sleeve shirt on oh man It was so, just, it was the heat though for yeah. me. Like, yeah. My mat was great for the impact and for the weight, but yes. it was just the heat. Yes, <laughs> and sizzling. I, I, yeah. I worked outside for, for many years, especially in the wintertime. And the, the trick is when you go overheat outside, um, what I do is I soak my head. I would take a bottle of water and I just soak my whole head. Just because your head's your heat source. Like you, in the wintertime, you're yeah. going to lose 75% of your body heat through your head. Same thing in, in the summertime. That's where all the heat's being generated. So if, if I'm not feeling well and I'm overheated, I'll just pour a bottle over my, right over my head. Just and I'll, sometimes I'll just soak my whole t-shirt because that way it'll take the t-shirt an hour or two to dry and it keeps me cool. That's a good idea. I think I had so much hair on my head, like it, it would just wouldn't penetrate. I would need three bottles to do that to soak my hair. Yeah, that so. was that's the one disadvantage of having long hair on a hot day. It's like having a wool cap on. It's exactly. Yeah, I I wouldn't know. (laughs) So let's carry on. We have a fantastic... I was going to say one more thing uh, to anybody else who's thinking about taking a maple seed. Um, I went out and bought Amanda that third mag. We only needed two, just as an FYI to people. I only used two mags. I brought three, Mm -hmm. but I only used two. The same with Amanda. And we seriously overestimated the amount of ammo. I think they said that we needed... How much did they say we needed a piece? Three fifty originally. Yeah, so I bought two bricks of ammo, and between us, we shared one brick. So. So your mag changes kind of were only five rounds per mag change all the time. We did, we did two or eight, and then uh, either five or ten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. it was interesting because every time we did a every time we did a lesson, we went and shot it, and mm-hmm. then we we bombed up the mag after each time. So, yeah, we wound up only needing two mags at any given time. When you did your your. Because you actually, your apple seed would have actually been a maple seed, Mike. Were you, did you not have uh, like three mags for yours? Um, I did, but that's because I wrote down individually on them, like one mag has the number two on it, one has the number eight, and I think the other mag has the number 10 on it. Yeah, my, uh, mine has. So I probably didn't actually need all three at one point in time, but it meant that like that number two mag only ever got two rounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not detrimental to have more mags, but we didn't need them. Because my, my mags were marked 5, 3, and 2. Gotcha. But I did the apple well, seed. Well, that might have been because of the apple yeah. seed. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you can get away with two mags, it's even better. But Carrier's yep, Third is a backup. F- just an FYI. Yeah. Yes, definitely an FYI. So this week we have a guest. Uh, my friend Tracy Wilson dropped by, and she brought us up to date with uh, what's happening with the legislation and what's before the courts right now. Um, we just did an interview because it's a long weekend. We didn't want her calling stuck listening to us for the whole hour and a half. So enjoy. Okay, today we're interviewing Tracy Wilson, uh, who is the, I guess you're the VP of the CCFR. Tracy, welcome, yeah. to, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thomas. So I'm the Vice President of Public Relations for the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, and I'm also currently Canada's longest-standing Canadian gun lobby lobbyist. So when they talk about the evil big bad gun lobby, they're talking about me. Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> I, I find it hilarious when they start talking about that because there's only one registered lobbyist in Canada, and that's you. <laughs> But this evil gun yeah. lobby, right? And well, to, I know. And to take them off, it's it's a woman they have to compete with, so they can't say it's a, it's a it's a man thing when you have this woman, this very capable woman in charge of uh, marketing it and speaking for us. Well, that's it. I always make fun of them because I'm a I'm literally a Chihuahua owning grandma from the suburbs, so <laughs> you know I, I am not fitting their stereotype of the evil gun lobby, and that's perfect because Canadians don't fit the stereotype of what they're trying to portray gun owners like. So, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time. Well, we've had quite a battle lately uh, with all the, the legislation going through. Uh, the only small victory I've seen lately was that uh, C-10, Bill 10 didn't go through. It didn't make it through the Senate. So at least we've, we can take a breath of fresh air at least, and we can worry about our freedoms of speech over the summer, and hopefully an election will change things. Right. So what's what's currently happening with all this legislation that we're, we're having to deal with? Is there, is there any recent news? Yes. So as you and your listeners may be aware, C-71, which was the original liberal gun bill, received royal assent back in 2019. Now, it's sort of been sitting on the shelf ever since. They've never, you know, uh, implemented any regula- regulations that would actually implement the measures within the bill. So although C-71 passed to, you know, much to our chagrin, we fought it long and hard for 14 months. Rod and I both testified in the House of Commons Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security and the Senate Standing Committee on National Security and Defense. So we've been fighting this 14-month-long battle. We, you know, the bill passed. It's a liberal government. What can we do? That was back in 2019. Well, we've never heard anything about it since. So recently, I guess just to throw a few scraps over to the anti-gun lobbyists, excuse me, Bill Blair um, announced that starting July 7th, there would be a couple of measures within C-71 that would that would be implemented right away. Number one would be the lifetime background checks, which isn't entirely all that different from what we have now. I mean, they are able to see the entirety of your history as it is. But they're supposed to judge you on the on the previous five years when you apply for a new firearms license. So now what they'll do is they can apply the entirety of of your life and your record um, when you're applying for a license. To be perfectly honest, for the majority of Canadians and the majority of Canadian gun owners, this isn't going to have a huge impact. Of course, there will be those special cases where, you know, maybe a guy got in a bar fight when he was 18 or 19 you know, maybe he won and he beat up a bunch of people and, of course, got some form of assault charges out of that. That could, it could implement or impact his ability to be approved for a firearms license. So, 
you know, for a government that continues to lax the rules on criminals and now they're talking about making pardons easier and cheaper and everybody can get them. It's funny because anybody but gun owners. Right. So it it's it is frustrating um, for the community at large. However, when somebody's looking, <clears throat> when the CFO or the CFP is looking at your record, what they're looking for is those violent charges, right? Assaults, domestic violence, things like that. They're not looking to see if you shoplifted or, you know, maybe had a DUI or something else in your early history. They're not looking for that. It shouldn't, it, that should not impact your ability to achieve a license at all. So that's a good thing. Um, the other thing that they're doing is, um, they are doing a public consultation right now. So public safety's put out a notice saying that they're looking for feedback from Canadian gun owners on how to implement two of the changes, two of the measures within C-71. And they're targeting the fall. You know, of course, we'll be in an election. So this is more of an election promise. But those two measures are, of course, the um, store records. So they will require retailers to keep, maintain, and store records of all firearms purchases for 20 years, which is, I don't know, that's wild. I mean, there isn't even a system to do that. You know, those of us that are old enough to remember back to the green books, you know, those are paper books on the shelf with people's private information. That doesn't fly in this age of technology. Well, businesses are only required to keep records for seven years, so 20 years is ridiculous. Well, that's for Revenue Canada purposes. Yeah. And I mean, the, you know, the standard operating procedure right now for most businesses is they do keep records of the guns they sell for seven years, but it's for Revenue Canada. So this would be a 20 year old obligation to keep, maintain and secure these records, which there's not there is no system for it. So, like, I don't know what that looks like. Is it a book on the counter? Is it um, some sort of online in the cloud storage system? What about those rural shops in, you know, northern Ontario or northern Alberta that maybe don't have access to those types of online tools? So this is sort of what they're going after with this public consultation is they're looking for help in how to do this. Now, they have sent specifically a request for help to us and to the CSAAA and I believe the NFA and the CSSA as well. <clears throat> but from my perspective, I'm, I'm not entirely sure I want to help them with this. I mean, I, I recognize that not having a seat at the table means, you know, it doesn't mean they're not going to do it. They're still going to do it, and they're just going to do it terribly. However, if they do it terribly, it will likely fail. And that's sort of where I'd like to see this go. So, you know, Rod and I have some discussions to talk about with the board at the CCFR, but at this point in time, I'm not really eager to help the Liberals um, maintain a long gun registry at the expense and at the risk of shopkeepers. You know, I, I just, I don't, I don't like it. The and other, I was sorry, say, go I was ahead. Say the risk, the risk is real too, because um, these smaller locations, I'm not meaning to, that the small brick and mortar stores are going to do this, but say for example, uh, Canadian Tire where I lived, uh, three times they had their ammunition logbook stolen and three times the store got broken into and everybody in the logbook got broken into. So you, yeah. you can, it's it's just not safe having a written history if everybody has a firearms license in your store. It's it's one thing if it's in a protected hard drive for the the, the computer's or business's computer, but having that stuff written down it's just it's it's just an accident waiting to happen. 
Absolutely. And I mean, as far as a protective uh, hard drive, that's possible for some of the big stores, right? Like the great big stores in the urban centers. But when you're talking about a little ma and pa shop in the middle of, of nowhere, I mean, they just don't have the resources, right? So it's it's very it's cumbersome. Funny too, because after the firearm sells, I mean, it could change hands 20 times in 20 years. So what's the point, right? Well, I'm getting to that next. So the other measure they're looking at implementing in the fall and they're looking for feedback on, of course, is this idea of having to, when you're exchanging, um, you know, whether it's buy, sell or trade, when you're exchanging a non-restricted firearm with another gun owner, they now want you to go through this process where let's say I've got an old shotgun here and I'm going to sell it to Thomas. I've got to get together with Thomas. I've got to call up the CFO. I've got to provide the CFO with Thomas's information, his PAL number, all his stuff. He's got to call the CFO and provide them with mine. The CFO is going to look into the two of us, make sure that we both have a valid current license, make sure we're good. They're going to approve the transaction and provide us with a reference number. So that reference number will then be held with the government at the registrar. So these two measures together let's say a firearm begins its life at, you know, I don't know, Firearms Outlet Canada. Fred sells it to me. He's got to keep that store record for 20 years. I take it home. I use it for a season or two, and I decide I'm going to sell it to Thomas. Well, now there will be a record of me exchanging that firearm with Thomas. So it is absolutely a long gun registry, but the expense of maintaining and keeping it will sit solely with the retail shopkeepers so this is like the sneakiest most conniving thing you know when they say they're not going to implement another long gun registry they're right they're going to force the shopkeepers to do it and it's funny too what about you know a gun show on a saturday or a sunday what do you do in that case if you're well, you will not be able to exchange firearms at gun shows anymore yeah it's, it ends that Yeah, they're not particularly concerned about inconveniencing gun owners, right? I think that's part of the idea is to make it cumbersome and impossible for us to, you know, circulate and exchange firearms with each other um, that we just eventually give up. I think that's sort of the idea behind this. Well, I think that's what they tried in C-68, and I think they were quite – and quite a few people did. They backed down. They they, they couldn't be bothered, but a lot of people got angry and said, screw you. I'm going to jump through all your holes. And now these people are even twice as angry because they're doing it to us again. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's too bad. At the end of the day, like I'm a reasonable, rational person. I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. I live in the suburbs. I, I live, you know, in urban Ottawa, but on the outskirts. And, you know, I want to say for Canada, too, I want I don't want bad guys to get their hands on guns. Um, At the same time, I think the amount of effort and resources and focus that is being put on legal gun owners completely messes the mark. We've got people shooting up birthday parties in Toronto. We've got the streets of Surrey filled with crime. It's insane. All of this stuff going on. And here they are willing to spend upwards of you know, will be well into the billions with the gun ban, along with all these measures. The other measure that's actually changing July 7th for your listeners, this is pretty important, we're four days away from that deadline, is the automatic ATT. So the way it stands now is if you've got a restricted firearm, you want to take your handgun 
you know, to the range or to wherever, there are five places you're allowed to take it to, right? You can take it to the range. You can take it to a gunsmith. You can take it to a border. You can take it to law enforcement. And you can take it to a gun show. So what they're doing, starting July 7th, you'll still be able to take it back and forth to the range without issue. Um, but you will no longer be able to take it to the gunsmith. You'll no longer be able to take it to a gun show without an an actual extra ATT. Um, and, and their reasoning behind this is it's sort of like they're trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. They're working under the assumption that we're just driving around willy-nilly with handguns in our vehicles, which anybody who knows, you actually can't do that. I can't go stop at Montana's and get a steak and leave my handgun out in the car. I can't go to the mall with the kids and leave the handgun in the car. You're just not allowed to do these things as it is. Well, I even heard the Prime Minister say that. He doesn't want Canadians to have their guns in the parking lot at Walmart. Well, yeah. there's never well, been we're not any... allowed now. No, we're not yeah. allowed now. And we had the same system yeah. before. We got rid of it to streamline it. And to make it easier for gun owners, there's never been an issue. So why revert back to an old system to just burden us more? It doesn't make sense. I think that's that's the key, Thomas, is you nailed it. The idea is to burden us more and to make it inconvenient and to make it that, you know, we're, we just won't bother. It's too much work. But here's my real bone of contention with that. Out of all the things that they are stopping the automatic ATT, why a gunsmith? Let's say I go to the range and I'm shooting my handgun tomorrow afternoon and it happens very rarely, but it has happened. What if I get a live round stuck in the chamber? So now I've got to take that gun that is now actually loaded. I've got to put it in a locked case in my vehicle. I've got to drive across the city with it. I've got to come into the house, pass the kids with the loaded gun, put it in my safe. Then I've got to somehow contact the CFO, try and get an ATT. Once I get that ATT, hopefully the gunsmith can take me because I, I don't have an appointment, right? I don't know what I'm going to have an ATT for. Now I've got to get that live, that gun that is actually loaded back out of the safe, drive back across the city with it loaded and go to the gunsmith. This is insane. Any government that would put a barrier between legal gun owners and the safety repairs that are done by uh, gunsmiths is insane it's just i don't understand it one bit it's, there's it's, no danger in taking your gun to the gunsmith there's a huge danger in being restricted from doing that and that's exactly what they're doing with c71 absolutely that seems like garbage but um, my one question i do have for you was why do you think that they were basing the idea that uh, gun owners are just carrying around their guns. Do they have any proof that they've pulled over so many people who are carrying their guns and not going directly to the range and back? Just trying to scare people who don't know any better. Well, I'm yeah. that's what I'm assuming, but I'm just curious. Like, how did they come up to that conclusion that that was an issue? Unless they actually say, "I have issued out so many tickets because people were not going straight to their destination and back." That, well, it's I actually that's a. That is a great question, Amanda. It's actually the opposite. So the CFO keeps records from in, back in the old days when we used to have to call for an ATT to go anywhere. The CFO kept records. 94% of the requests for ATT were to the range or from the gun store to go home, you know, when you purchase a new firearm. So those two things are still allowed. So 94% of the times that legal gun owners are driving around with a handgun in their car is still fine. But that 6%, whether you're going to a gun show, 
a, a border stop, a law enforcement agency, or the gunsmith. That's 6% of time that gun owners are driving around to a place other than the range or their home where the gun isn't allowed. So is it about public safety? Of course not. It's about making it difficult and complex. It's about get, throwing a tiny little bone over to the anti-gun lobbies, and they think they've got some kind of win. It's absolutely ridiculous. For the most part, unless you need to go see a gunsmith or you're regular at a gun show, you're you're not even going to get an ATT anyways, right? The majority of us are going back and forth to the range. So it's, it's an inconvenience, and it's a barrier to that safety uh, repairs that we talked about. But other than that, it's solely to appease the anti-gun lobbies. That's entirely the reason. And this is what happens when you have an elected socialism government. Like, you know, yeah. they just, their, their thing from everything they're doing is control. They're controlling every aspect of us from every, the air that we breathe is taxed now to every part of our life. And with, with all these COVID protocols that have been happening, you watch our tax basis are going to go through the roof because they're getting so much in debt. And now, now they want to give away, waste billions of dollars on an ineffective registry that doesn't do anything for public safety. Like the whole thing about the yeah. AR is being bad. I, I, I've heard of one incident back in the 70s that involved an AR. I've never heard of any incidents. Yeah, since and it then. was stolen. Yeah, and it was a stolen gun. Yeah. No, and that whole thing is funny. You know, it's interesting. I, I've got some guns that were banned in that May 1 OIC gun ban, and then I've got a bunch of guns that weren't banned. And, you know, I, I look at things like, okay, my AR, my little red AR-15, my CCFR AR-15 is now banned, but my Tavor is fine. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, not that I'm trying to give them any any hints, you know, if they're listening. But the point is, is that this was done solely, you know, they picked and choose the the mini 14. You know, that was to appease Paulie Yeah. You know, they they picked and chose guns that may or may not have been used in a you know publicized crime in Canada, and targeted those rather than targeting the core, you know, like what are what's the the root causes of, of violence in our communities. Instead of looking at that, they're like, well, <clears throat> you know, the psycho who hated women who marched into Polysusuvian school, separated the men from the women, excused all the men, and then shot the women. It must be just because he owns a mini fourteen, right? Like there's nothing else going on here. Nothing at all. Well there was, this a, is, there this was a shooting in the States guy went into a gay bar, killed like fifty people. When they're yeah. swarming firearms, yeah, you know, all well, those people just dancing and having fun. They weren't doing anything. He just targeted everybody in the room. Yeah, well, and I mean, evil shows itself in all kinds of crazy yeah. ways. You look at the van attack in Toronto. You know, that killed what thirteen people. You've got the the crazy guy in London that mowed down a Muslim family. I mean, hate and extremism and violence and all of these things have existed since man has existed you know the the greatest conflict is always man against man yeah. and instead of taking that you know focusing in on what is causing people to act this way what are the signs what are the triggers is there things that we could be doing as a society to prevent or stop these things instead of doing that we're literally doing the most laziest ineffective thing we'll just ban ban that product but not that product it's ridiculous, and it's for low-information voters. And I hate to say that because I love my country, and I love my fellow Canadians, but if you buy into this, you're just a low-information voter. 
you know, that's, and that's an appropriate tragic. saying, low information voter. It's yeah, yeah. That's that's a good title. One thing I've yeah. noticed over the years is that uh, the government will consistently um, reduce the sentences for criminals using firearms. Mm-hmm. I, I did jury duty. Um, the two guys were the car was full of restricted stolen handguns, and they threw out the gun charges if they plead guilty to, ever, to other things. But or if you or I make a paper mistake. We're looking up to five years imprisonment for a paper mistake. Well, we followed the rules 100% of the time, and we, we had a brain fart, and they go after us with a complete vengeance, where oh, yeah. somebody who oh, commits yeah. a crime using a firearm, they'll just plead it out, say, well, you plead guilty to this, we'll drop the gun charges, constantly. But if a Constantly. legal gun owner gets caught, you get the whole, well, there's so many examples of, of our recent history, the people have gone after for, for stupid things, so... Well, and just during this government, so that, you know, the Trudeau Liberals have been in for almost six years now. You know, if you look at it, they've got C-71, and right on the heels of C-71, they also tabled C-75, which is the big justice omnibus bill. But within C-75, there was, I think, 14 firearm-related charges that they reduced the sentencing for, you know, and, and other very serious crimes, like initiation of a minor into organized crime. So recruiting kids into gangs. Yeah. They, if if you get caught doing that, you go out and you're recruiting 14 year old girls or boys, <clears throat> excuse me, into your gang to live a life of crime. You can now get a lesser sentence. Those- then they come out recently with C21, and right on the heels of that is C22, which does the exact same thing, lowers the sentences for some very serious violent crimes. Anybody who thinks this government is looking after your best interests has to be willfully blind because they prove over and over again that they're tough on gun owners and soft on crime. And it's, you know, things are spiraling. Hate is being incited and um, being provoked across the country on all kinds of issues. And I I worry because I I don't want to see it. Look what they're doing to the the Speaker of the House. They're they're taking the Speaker of the House to court because that's insane. I've never heard of a government suing like. I don't, I'm not sure how far it would go, but it's just the fact that they're even attempting it is just bizarre. Just a whole well, back just like documents. in our court case. So we've got, as your listeners may or not may or may not know, we have a massive federal court charter challenge against the May One OIC gun ban, and part of our court challenge, like any court um, proceedings. Is our legal team went in and they said, okay, you know, here's all our evidence on why we don't think this gun ban is going to have any reduction on, on crime. You know, it's not going to it's not going to increase public safety. You know, gun owners don't represent a disproportionate risk to public safety. You know, here's all the evidence, and it was literally, I think, eight thousand pages of documents. Okay, so then we say, okay, we need it. We need the government's evidence that it will, you know, cause a reduction in crime. And will be a benefit to public safety. So during the original proceedings, we had filed an ATIP for that information. They came back. I think they get 160 days to answer an ATIP. They came back with a letter saying they needed eight years. Well, we're in court. We have a gun ban with a two-year eight amnesty. Years? We don't have eight years. Yeah, so we, yeah, eight <laughs> oh years. So we went to the judge and we asked her to compel the government. It's not a big ask. We're not asking for something unreasonable. You know, why did you ban our guns? And can you show us what evidence you're using to make these decisions? Like, what did you use to decide this stuff, right? That's not a crazy ask, but that's not unreasonable. And so we went to the judge and we asked her to compel the government 
to provide their evidence. So she produced an order ordering the government to and compelling them to provide their evidence that the gun ban's a, a great idea and going to save the world. And they came back and refused. They actually just filed a Section 39, which is, you know, basically closing down the production of evidence. And at this point, I said to I said to Michael, our, our you know, the head of our legal team, I said, what, to, what does this even mean? Like, I don't know if I would have gave the associate chief justice of the federal court the finger like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm a little sassy. I don't think I would have done that. But the government just totally did it. Like, forget it. We're not providing you any, any evidence. And he says, well, it could go one way or the other. The judge will, you know, will either try some other measure to try and compel them to at least provide that evidence or she's going to have to make a judgment on whether or not this gun ban sticks. And if she has to go on what she's got right now, I don't, I don't see how she can rule in their favor. So they may have shot themselves in the proverbial foot by doing that, you know. But again, with this government, it's just they literally won't even give us a reason why they chose to ban these guns. Like nothing. Well, the, They've submitted Murray Smith's affidavit and the OIC itself. That's it. That's all their evidence. Well, I at least I've it. noticed a few people have had success with their Section 74s. And I think this is probably going to go to Superior Court now because the, the, yeah. the people are trying to get the Section 74s they're, they're entitled to. And the government's you know, saying this is not a notice. And we're saying, yes, this is a notice. So we're getting foothold bit by bit, I think, because you're getting different rulings across the country. So I think that's yeah. going to go to Superior Court. So that'll be another at least we one positive step so far. But it's frustrating. It's insane. But... You know, if you're a gun owner, you got to keep going, though. You, gotta, you know, you can't, you can't let them beat you down or get discouraged. I, you know, trust me, I fight this battle every day, all day, and it's difficult to not get discouraged. But that's exactly what they want. They just want us to roll over, give in, and stop fighting. And I need every gun owner in this country to just say no. Number one, we we don't deserve this, right? We do not deserve it. We haven't committed crimes. We don't we don't deserve the collective blame that they're trying to put on our shoulders for their failure to address crime. And at the same time, as good, upstanding, law abiding, community oriented people, we need to force this government to do something about the crime we see in our streets. Taking my AR is not going to change a damn thing. And everybody listening to this knows it. So those are the two things that drive me every day to keep doing this. And I need everybody to stay with me. I have a quick question, Tracy, then. Uh, I'm a new gun owner, and I've, you know, just been kind of catching in on all this information. And a part of me feels useless as to what it is that I can do personally to help with this um, this whole fight. So can you tell me, as a new gun owner, what can I do? The very best thing you, that's a great question, by the way, but the very best thing you can do as a new gun owner is to talk to people, whether it's other gun owners, whether it's friends at school, whether it's your cousins, your family, anybody you run into over the whole summer, talk to them about gun ownership, whether they're gun owners or not, especially if they're not. Um, we need to start, the, the big focus of the CCFR is to change the narrative, right? Canadians... In general, they just don't know what's going on, and they tend to support these bad ideas because it sounds like, a, you know, oh, yeah, ban that stuff. Yeah, okay, why not, right? <clears throat> we need them to stop supporting these bad liberal policies, and the way we do that is just have 
honest, rational communication and dialogue with them. Then I need you to take those people, whoever you can get to go with you, to the range. Because once they try it, it changes hearts and minds. Aside from that, being a CCFR member helps. I mean, it's 40 bucks a year. I'm going to do a shameless plug right now. We need all the help we can get. We are fighting a monumental you know, war against um, the Liberal government, who is warring against gun owners. We spent well over $1.2 million on this court case already. So, yeah, of course, you know, being a CCFR member helps. You can go to firearmrights.ca and do that. And then the other thing is share our content. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, but especially our YouTube channel. Look up CCFR channel on YouTube. We have collected a massive, vast amount of resources for gun owners there. Excuse me. There's educational resources. There's educational videos to share. There's two-minute explainer videos that take a very specific, you know, part of this debate and help you spell it out far better than you could type paragraphs, you know, fighting with somebody on, on social media. There's so much information out there. Also, go to gundebate.ca. We have revamped the website, and it doesn't even say CCFR on it because we want people to go to it and use it to learn. Like, if I was just a regular Canadian, I'm like, well, I don't know about this gun ban. Like, maybe gun owners don't really need that, but maybe the government's overstepping and could spend the money better somewhere else. Like, I just, I don't know what to think, right? We had to create a resource that's neutral that anybody can go to and literally receive, you know, be inundated with information as much as they could possibly handle, as much as they could want. Um, and, and I need people to start sharing that stuff out there and get it out there. That is the number one way we can combat this. And also, lastly, contact your MP, especially if they're not conservative. The conservatives are on board. You know, it's great to show them some support and, and whatever, but, you know, I, I'm not here to shill for them. But the Liberals, the NDP, the Greens, um, if you have an MP that isn't a conservative, um, request a phone meeting. You know, I know during this COVID time, they're not accepting as many um, visitors at their constituency offices. But the House of Commons has risen for the summer now. And they it's not that they're on holidays. They're supposed to be working in their constituency areas dealing with concerns from their constituents. They work for you. I know they forget that sometimes, but they do. So call and request a phone meeting or a Zoom or even a parking lot meeting, you know, meet them outside and just say, I need five minutes of your time. I need you to hear me and bring these concerns to them, you know, write down three to five point form things that you want to address with them and just bring it up to them and say, don't give me a, a you know, a, a, a baloney, you know, format answer. Like, I want you to really think about these things and come back to me with some with some answers. I, w- I want to know, you know, why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Yeah. You know, what are some, some things your government could do that might better address the, the problems at hand? And that's, I'm telling you, when you turn up the heat on them, they take it back to their caucus meetings and it goes straight to leadership. So next thing you know, Justin Trudeau and the whole, um, you know, the whole cabinet start hearing from all their backbenchers that they're being harassed by people who, you know, aren't satisfied or aren't happy with their public safety measures, it makes a huge impact. It's just tedious work, but make a project of it over the summer, you know. Um, 
you know, send three or four emails, phone their constituency offices. You can go on Google and type in find my MP and it'll tell you who your MP is. But yes, harass them, email them, call them. They need to hear from you. Perfect. I like that. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that, that I really like about the CCFR lately is uh, a couple of years ago, you started a women's program. And you've got all kinds of fantastic stuff for, for women shooters. And I've seen a lot of women yeah. getting involved in the community. Can you maybe give us a little light what's happening with the, the ladies' programs? Yeah, well, the CCFR is unique that way. We're the only uh, Canadian national firearms organization that has a women's program. And I think part of that is, you know, I'm one of the original founders of the CCFR. And as a woman, I have, you know, I have a vested interest in seeing more girls in the sport. Um, however, I remember when I was first being introduced to the sport, it, it reminded me of like boyfriend driving lessons. You know, when you're in high school and your boyfriend's trying to teach you how to drive and it, it never really goes well, you no, know, no, and I does. thought, no, and it's the same when you go to the range. Sometimes, you know, you go to the range with your boyfriend, your husband or your buddies or whatever, and it's a bunch of dudes and it's just, you know, Some of them are great, some of them not so great. But for me, I thought, you know, what about if we had a program that was for women and by women and you're with a bunch of girls at the range and you can act silly. Like I do these ladies days and they are a riot. They come out. I get soccer moms and grannies and all kinds of wild women from all across the country to come out to these things. They've never shot a gun in their life. Most of them have never even seen one. And we get them on AR-15s. Well, I guess not now. But we get them on all kinds of guns, handguns, rifles, shotguns. We get them shooting everything. And then I set up a photo booth in one of the empty ranges. And we put a bunch of unloaded firearms in there and pink feather boas and all kinds of crazy stuff. And they take awesome social media pictures. Then they go home and they plaster these all over their social media. And all the other soccer moms and female voters who are usually, you know, uh, enthralled with Justin Trudeau and his policies are like, hey, what do you, what do you, what's this about? That looks super badass. How can I get involved? So that was sort of the idea behind it. And it's grown into a monster. And, of course, in order to host these Ladies' Days across the country and sponsor Ladies' Days, by the way, if you're a range listening and you're interested in having a Ladies' Range Day, we will send you money. We will send you um prizes to give away to your girls we will send you supports and we've even got kind of a a a document that we put together on you know look i've never done a range day before how do i do it what do i need what does it look like we've got a document ready for you that you can use sort of as your template um but we started doing these ladies range days you know and then we're sponsoring them all across the country well we got to fund that so we started the ccfr gunny girl calendar and it's grown into a monster as well. It is wildly popular. We had 89 girls try out for the calendar. There's In our calendar, there's 13 months. There's the 12 months and then the previous December. So it's very difficult to whittle it down from 89 girls down to 13. But these are everyday average Canadian girls, gun owners, CCFR members, you know, average girls. We get together. We do a retreat weekend, which is super fun. You know, we have a great time. I cook them all kinds of delicious food. We drink some wine. We get them all fixed up. We dress them all up and we go out and we do photo shoots in all kinds of crazy locations. And it's a really good time for the girls. 
<clears throat> some of them have made lifelong friendships out of these photo shoots. We've got two coming up this year, one in Ontario near Kitchener and another in Alberta for some Alberta girls and BC girls will be joining us. And we get together and we literally, people look at our calendar and they think these are our models, right? They're like, wow, where did you guys hire these models? And it's like, dude, these are average CCFR members, but these are above average girls. Well, right? you know, the, the good thing together. about the CCFR calendar is that it's not, it's very tastefully done. It's a calendar yeah, that I can yeah. put up and my wife won't get upset with me. Well, she wasn't crazy That's about right. Yolanda because Yolanda was really, really pretty. But yeah, I put it up. <laughs> if, <laughs> just that one year, it was, it, you, you look at them all, they're all really nice because, oh, wow, that one's nice. But no, it's yeah. all tastefully done, right? You, you don't see skin and everything else. It's just very pretty girls with firearms, just nice smile, nice location. It's And it's it's tastefully done, which is what I like. It is. It's not a TNA calendar or what you think of like a gun girl calendar. Exactly. I'm glad you These said it. These are literally <laughs> average CCFR girls, right? And they get together and they have a hoot. You know, they'll be all in the bathroom together and doing each other's makeup and trading outfits. And we take them out. Like we took Emily. We've had girls all the way from, you know, 17 years old. My daughter Summer was in it. All the way up to Emily Sanford Brown, who I'm sure your listeners uh, know who she is. She's with the Ontario Provincial Trap Shooting Association and the Canadian University Shooting Federation. She's was turning 60, and we had her out at the calendar. She's a beautiful woman. We ended up sticking her in the fall in a tiny little blue, you know, sheer long dress and basically made her sit on a rock out in the water excuse me while waves splashed against her freezing but we got the most amazing pictures and she's 60 and it was just yeah excellent it was a great time we all went back to the uh we all stayed together at an airbnb we went back there after we had a campfire in the backyard and toasted marshmallows and told funny gun stories around the campfire and we just have a total blast it's all about building relationships and networking with other girls and just spreading the love of the firearm sports with other women. And, um, yeah, the calendar fuels that. So it's become um, wildly popular. We sell out every year. Last year, I think we were sold out in three weeks. And we printed, I think, 1,500 of them. When are you, doing, so, when are you taking models for the next calendar? Um, we're done for this year. Our girls are all chosen. So we're in the process of doing photo shoots now. Um, but So next year, Amanda. Yeah, we'll, we'll get them in there. Yeah, we'll do a call out. Make sure you follow uh, me and Kelly Lynn and um, and all those guys. And we put up posts. We basically just do like a, you know, a talent call out and say, hey, you know, here's what you got to be. You got to be a CCFR member. You actually have to be a, a you know, like a gun person. We don't we don't want to go out and find super hot girls and just stick a gun in their hand. We want you to be real. Right. So. Um, yeah, and you don't need any experience. You don't need anything fancy. Um, it doesn't cost anything for the girls. And we have, a, we have a total blast. And like I said, lifelong friendships. Our group just continues to grow every year, the women of the CCFR. So it's super fun. We love it. I see so many nice pictures that Kelly and Kelly are constantly putting up with all their it's, – it's wonderful yeah. to see. It's so nice to see. And it was funny. Uh, last summer, I had a, a, um, an older lady come into. I work. I actually do the range rentals at East, East Hill Outdoors, so I work in the range. And a lady came okay. in and she said, "She said, can I put up this little poster at your range?" And it was um, I forget the name of the club, but 
but uh, they're having a ladies' event. And I said, oh, have you heard of the CCFR? She says, no. I said, oh, it's great. They've got these ladies' programs. You can call them. And I think she did contact you because a couple months later she came back in and she thanked me for, for letting her know about it. I said, well, fantastic. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can always uh, send us an email at info at firearmrights.ca. Even if you've never held a ladies' range day, but it sounds interesting to you and like something that you may want to um, work on, um, we can help support you through that. We can help guide you through how to hold it, how many volunteers you're going to need, what guns you should have, how much ammo you'll need, you know, what you should expect and what they should expect. And, you know, depending where you are, we can even provide volunteers. So, yeah, make sure you you reach out because as things open with the reopening of the entire country at this point, um, we expect to see these um, these growing. In fact, I'm flying out um, in about a month's time out to New Brunswick to go out to the Woodstock uh, Pistol and Rifle Club and, and go help host a ladies' day out there. I mean, more as, you know, I'll just be kissing kissing babies and shaking hands type thing, but yeah, it'll it'll be a great way to just get out and get all these girls out together, and they have a wonderful time. And at the end of the day, you know, not every woman in the country needs to be a gun owner, but I need them to stop supporting bad liberal policy. So that's the idea behind it. They come out, they spend a day at the range, they have a walk away with a better understanding of what the sport really means to the people who are involved, and they also understand that these policies are targeting the wrong demographic and aren't making their communities safer. And that's what's important. Well, Tracy, I'd like to thank you for the fight that you're fighting on behalf of all of us gun owners. It's, it's, it's a very important struggle and it's very real. And I'd really think that even if you don't belong to CCFR, if you got a few bucks, shoot a few money, a few dollars away for the legal fund, because we're still in a struggle for our lives and you saw what they're taking now. They're just wait to see what the liberals are going to have next. It won't be just our ARs. They're oh, yeah. coming after our pistols. Like this is, we thought they were just coming after the ARs, and they took a huge chunk. Next attack is going to be everything. So we really, even if you belong to another organization, slip the CCFR a few bucks because it's the only organization, only organization I see that's physically doing anything in Parliament. I don't see yeah. anybody else out there. Yeah, well, I appreciate your support. and. Yeah, I mean, whether <clears throat> whether or not you agree with everything I say and do or Rod says and, and does, um, you can go to our, our website. There's a button there where you can support the legal challenge. Um, again, you know, if, if, if you want to do a ladies' range day, send us an email at info at fireandrights.ca. And you can also go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. We don't spam you with, you know, all kinds of reruns of other news stories. It's all original content. Every single Friday, you get a full update on everything you need to know, and that's it. We will never spam you. We will never share your information. So it's our, our lifeline to our audience because, of course, with this crazy government and, um, you know, the the unsettling things that they're doing with free speech and social media and all of that, I worry about our ability to com- continue to, con- you know, communicate with our people. So... Subscribe to our newsletter, if nothing else. I mean, it's tough times with the pandemic. If you don't have a couple bucks, that's okay. But just keep informed. That is the most important thing. Talk to your friends and neighbors and take somebody to the range if you can. Excellent. Fantastic. Tracy, thank you much for your time. Go back to your long weekend. Enjoy. Say hello to Colin for us. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Tracy.
Thank you, okay. Tracy. Okay, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Tracy Wilson, thank you very much. Always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Um, I have to get a, get a chance to see her again. I haven't seen Tracy in, I think, three years. Last time I saw her was at the Gunning Girl event at SFRC. I think it was about three years ago. And uh, Tracy, myself, Colin... I'm not sure if Kelly came in with us, but Ryan there has one of those armored personnel carriers. It looks like a tank. And he took us in his property. We're running over all the trees and just crunching it. It's, it's, it's tracked, right? And we must have ran around for a half hour, just destroyed all kinds of trees and stuff in the back of the SFRC. That was a blast. So that was the last time I saw her. So hopefully with these restrictions lifting, we'll be able to have some events and we can hopefully get to an AGM and see some of our shooting buddies again. Uh, any events coming up? I didn't put any in the show. I didn't. Um, I did put in, but CCFR ladies event. But we talked about that with Tracy. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to do. We need to book one of those. Yes, definitely. <laughs> We're gonna have to call. So. Uh, listener email. Actually, <clears throat> he messaged. Um, go down to the bottom. It's Jay, I believe. Uh, yeah, Jay. Uh, he messaged me on Messenger, uh, not the show. So I just wrote, wrote you what you want. I'll take my glasses off so I can see this tiny print now that I have my trifocals on. I said, hi, Thomas. Hope all is well. I'm getting caught up with New Shooter Candle podcast, and I remembered you're a bit of a 1911 aficionado. Well, I just ordered my first 1911, and I may have gotten a bit excited about while browsing about, and I ended up ordering a bit of a spendy gun without considering everything through, and I was hoping to get your opinion. I ordered a Colt Gold, match, Colt Gold Cup National Match in 45 ACP. Uh, my aim is to, to do Ipsic Black Badge as soon as the course opens back up and I'm able to get one. And I was hoping to shoot some bullseye with it. Uh, great bullseye gun. Uh, bullseye has a bit of following up my club and a good friend of mine has a line of an old Pacmar bullseye pistol box for me. Those are hard to find. So if you can grab that, go for it. So I figured, what the heck, I wouldn't mind playing around with both sports. I was hoping for uh, a bit of an heirloom piece for, for one day anyway. Do you think the pistol would serve me well for the uses or, or in a more casual way? Or should have I bought considered something different? I do like the pistol. I've been able to shoot one with a handful of rounds before, and it, it, it was a dream to shoot and very accurate. Uh, to me, it looks gorgeous, but I thought I'd ask to be sure. Thanks for your time. Please give me uh, best of the gang on the show. Be safe, Jay. Um, nice choice, Jay. Um, I like the 1911. The Colt National Match is a great pistol. Super accurate. Because uh, I, I messaged him back. I did speak to him about it. Like for bullseye and uh, club stuff, it's great. Um, you can easily use it Nipsic, not a problem, because uh, they have the classic match. Um, the the version he has, it's old school, so it's got the competition sights, but it still has the delt, the, the standard hammer, and the standard um, grip safety, and it has a speed trigger. So if you, as long as he doesn't have really meaty hands, it shouldn't be a problem for him. Uh, because you get the hammer bite with the, if you got big thick hands. Um, it's a nice gun. The only thing I suggested, maybe get a 9mm down the road. If you like the 1911, get one a 9mm because it's a lot cheaper to shoot. Um, it's just a sheer cost of 45 these days. And I did mention too, because this has got a like old school and high polished blued finish. Um, I suggested staying away from Kydex holsters because it will mar up that light blueing really fast, unless he doesn't care. He wants it a heirloom piece. So um, he mentioned that he's got a, he's looking at a leather holster. So uh, Jay, thanks for running in. I appreciate you from everybody. Um, as I said, you can write the show if you want to contact us or if you want to go on Facebook and message us individually. That's not a problem anytime. Thanks for writing in, Jay. I appreciate it. 
So please send any feedback, questions, or comments you may have to host at newshootercanada.ca, our Facebook page, or our comment section on our website at newshootercanada. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook, Facebook and leave us a comment and rating on iTunes. Uh, closing comments. That was a great interview with Tracy. Yes, thank uh, you to Tracy. For sure. Yes, for sure. She uh, definitely had, knows her stuff and knows what she's talking about. Uh, I liked her ideas on how new shooters can um, do what they can do to help the cause. And it wasn't just asking for money. Uh, so I was really appreciative of that. And uh, yes, thank you so much for popping in. I really appreciate it. That's the thing. It's like whenever I talk about this stuff, I feel like I'm always just preaching to the choir because I'm always talking to other gun people. It's like, how do you how do you talk to people who aren't gun people? Well, right? I That's mean, my parents are a great thing. start, right? When I first started talking to my parents about uh, gun rights, my mom originally thought that the liberals would be for gun rights because the liberals are all for giving everybody else rights. <laughs> so why, why not? Were why? You wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, it, it just goes to show, and my parents are dumb people, uh, but it just goes to show when it's not a topic that you've explored, if it doesn't affect you personally, you personally yeah. Yeah. it's really funny how people don't understand or don't care or don't care how it actually works um and just the same as my my siblings as well they were more wary but the more that i participate and show them what i'm doing the more that their their interest is peaked and maybe they don't want to go and shoot with me but they're a little bit more understanding that this is a sport and it's an outlet and i'm not doing anything to put my family at risk so well, I, uh, I like the one little thing Tracy added at the end, like when you're dealing with an auntie, um, take them to the range, take them shooting. And it's amazing yeah. the effect that it has when somebody actually shoots for the first time. It's like, oh, now I see why you like it. You know, because it, yes. you, you get rid of that fear and you put a little education in there, a little bit of knowledge, and it's it's to your advantage every time. Of course. And I mean, there's always going to be haters. and. Oh, yeah. I mean, for goodness sakes, in our small town, we have people who hate the fact that fireworks are going off and, <laughs> or uh, there's a whole uh, probably hundreds of threads about dog poop on the lawn. <laughs> and I mean, of course, I don't want people leaving dog poop, but it's, it's amazing how many people have something to say about something so minimal, so trivial, so trivial, so uh, I think it's really important to find a way to politely educate people. And you have to understand that you need patience to talk to them. And Tracy seems like a great person with a lot of patience to be able to help educate our uh, our community and beyond. So I really appreciated her coming on. So. Okay, so anybody has any – oh, I guess that's your shout-out then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. That wasn't really my shout out. Just, just I thought it was really great content. So so did I. So did I. I, I, I knew that once I invited her on that we would just have a fantastic guest because she's very well spoken. She's a very intelligent, very articulate lady, and she's a lot of fun. Like if you go to any of these events and Tracy's there, go up and introduce yourself. She's a fantastic lady. And if she's your buddy, you get a hug every time you see her. Just she's just a super nice lady, very intelligent, and it's. I'm glad we have somebody like Tracy representing us. Like I like some of the other groups. Like I, I like Tony Bernardo of the CCSA. I belong. Uh, actually, I haven't renewed this year. But you know, Rod and Tracy are the only people I actually see doing anything. Like you know, it's I, just the stamina. The stamina too. Yeah, like, like it's constant. 
Yeah. Like, I know like, Tony's gone and spoken at the UN. Okay, well, fine, that's the UN. That's not affecting us right here, right now in Canada. And they are not a, a, a lobbyist group. And neither is the NFA. So we really need people that are willing to step up and take a risk when other groups aren't willing to do it. So I'll always back Tracy in the CCFR. Totally. All right. Okay. Well, I'll shout out Kelly for the maple seed. That was awesome. She was great. Yeah, Tracy. And all the other instructors yeah. as well. All the instructors yeah. were great. All the instructors were amazing. I can't remember all their names. No. Uh, but they were every because they're how many? And it was there? the first one in Ontario this year, so yes. they had everything down pat. So they did. They did great. Absolutely, there was no. Uh, they were great at rotating, taking turns to do their instructions. Uh, thank you guys for volunteering your time and doing what you do because it was definitely. You know, it's one thing to want to participate as a, um, a learner, a student, but to constantly have to teach and, and all the time they put into it. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I mean, they some of them camped the night before, so that was really cool. So thank you guys. Um, I'm gonna give my shout out to the landowner that has allowed them to shoot there a couple times now. It's nice when you see a private landowner step up, and say, "Hey, no problem, guys. I'll help you." So was in, you said sure. his name is Chris? Chris Titchler, yeah. So shout out to Chris. Yep. What about you, Mike? Um, I shout out just to the crew over at Peterborough who ran the IDPA match, uh, another fantastic match, and I can't wait to get back out there again. Excellent. Well, everybody, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Until next week, keep your barrels downrange and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Choose your caliber wisely. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Thanks. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night. Well, I really like the Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all I like guns I like guns I like guns